It has been a minute. It's been a minute since I gave the introduction, so I thought I'd come back, introduce the podcast again. Welcome back, everyone. Guess what it is now? Postmortem. Yep, we're talking about all horror all month of October. You know, the first up. Can, yeah. can I can I just Glorious. say can I just yes. say that even though this is the second year of the podcast, this is our third postmortem. Yes. I just wanted to point that out there. So it's I don't know. That feels kind of cool. We've been, been doing, doing it for a it's while. It's a it's a real tradition. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm pretty excited to talk about this movie. Uh, I also got some funny family stories. And we also have our funny Tom Savini stories, I guess. <laughs> I remember yours so vividly, and mine is such a lackluster. <laughs> we'll get to it. Oh, okay. We'll get to it. Yeah. So but, the, the short form here is what? Like, we were talking about Night of the Living Dead 90. People know that. Yep. Yep. What do you mean by short form? Well, you know, just to do the intro to get our general preview out of the way. We got some stories about it. I've got a lot of dinner party facts. Uh, I, I This movie holds kind of a special place in my heart, even though it wasn't very well received at the time. It was kind of a box office flop. Even though they made it for financial reasons, it just didn't really catch on the way that they were hoping. There's there's so much going on with this. It's a fascinating movie to talk about, and it's a movie that people have overlooked, but I, I kind of yep. feel like they, they've circled back. A lot of people have circled back. It certainly it's... has its cult following, and um, even though it's not regarded as like one of the better night dead movies even though it's officially like romero sanctioned it's still you know considered a pretty good movie in the zombie genre yes well i mean i agree uh and that it's uh i mean for me personally this is night of living dead this is the first night of living dead that i saw um and it was years later that I went back and watched the original. In fact, you have to understand, like, people might laugh. Like, when I saw this, I always thought that this was the Night of the Living Dead that they were referring to. Oh. And that there wasn't a Night of the Living Dead before this. Now, why is that weird is because people would scoff at that today because we have the internet. We have, like, an easy way to, like, research this stuff. Right, but right. This movie came out in 1990. I was nine or 10 years old. The internet was black magic. It was like, what? What is this alchemy? Yeah. Like you heard it, you heard about it in movies, but it was like the military had it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was not even, there wasn't, what I'm saying is there wasn't a way to know. Like you would have to have that information like handed to you, like as a 10 year old, you know? So. Mm And then I didn't even know that George Romero was a guy until soon before college. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I just thought that this was a zombie movie. It didn't have any connection to any person named George Romero. I had no idea who that was. So it's just created in a vacuum make fun of for me you now. to consume. Well, it's really funny. I'll get into the story after our, our news 
segment, but the 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 story revolving how I watch this movie is kind of funny, you know. Oh, so okay. It illustrates a lot. It's a little meandering though, because I got to set it up. But okay. we'll get there. All right. So. Well, I think that's a great place to put a pin in that, and then we'll do some news, and then uh, jump right back into the horror of Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> All right. News? You got something? Yeah, I actually just found something, too. So, oh, okay. But it's exciting. Well, I'll say it real quick. Does it have to do with Trick or Treat, the movie? Uh, mine? No. Yeah, okay. No, this is going to be short and sweet. Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter again. No one cares. Crickets. <laughs> you know, I had heard that he was in. Oh, are we doing the news? Is it's this happening. It? Yeah. Yeah. This oh, my We're God. In it right now. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I had heard that um, he might face severe financial penalties for backing out of that Twitter buyout. Like, I guess Twitter is guaranteed a certain amount of money yeah, which is yeah. like millions right you know uh and rightfully so he backed out right at the last minute i mean it was basically his and then he said no i don't want it you right. know so okay well we don't and care i mean i don't care about elon musk single-handedly devalued their stock <laughs> i know i know well i guess i guess that's what it's from is the devalued of the stock because of his purchase and then subsequent backpedaling right you know? right so i i don't know i kind of like to see it i want to see it happen you know he just says shit does shit it's like god can can someone just give him a fuck off for a second yeah, you know right. i hope he gets that yeah, yeah. so that's right, what well, I, got. I got trick or treat i got uh oh i'm excited so it was just released today that uh a trick-or-treat sequel helmed by michael doherty has gotten the green light from Warner Brothers. Now, asterisk, yes, it's exciting. Yes, we all want Trick or Treat. I want some more Trick or Treat. It's an excellent movie. But the asterisk is Warner Brothers is putting out another Trick or Treat to mm -hmm. Warner Brothers. You know, the same Warner Brothers that canceled that movie then, you know, also is not putting out other movies, right? Because you know, they can I... put out movies a year i found <laughs> some conflicting reports on that because they've oh, actually yeah? committed to putting out um 18 theatrical releases when every year oh okay that's news I, for 2022 yeah you know? i know that's you know maybe, so, maybe that's the new thing going forward but uh hope so 18's a lot which is a healthy amount for that big of a company two is unhealthy you know, you're like, whoa, yeah. hey, what's going on at Warner Brothers? Hey, <laughs> here's know? the Batman and then nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so I, maybe... that's awesome. I, uh, I I look forward to that and I really want to go see it in the theater because it just got a theatrical release for the first time in mm -hmm. 20 years. Yeah. First you time know? ever, you know, ever. Yeah. So, um, which is wild to think about. Movie so heavily, highly regarded. Uh, only got there because of word of mouth. Didn't have a theatrical push. It's pretty incredible. That speaks yeah. volumes of how good that movie is. Well, know? and 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 I hope it uh, you know bears fruit and recoups its investment. Um, you know they they just put Jaws back out in theaters, which I went and saw it in 3D, and it was fucking awesome. 
Um, I was telling you this off stream. I, I took a friend of the show, Miranda. Yeah, yeah. To, to go see it. She had never seen it before, and it was like watching it again for the first time, right? So like oh, when, yeah. when Bed Gardner's head falls out of the boat, it's like, oh, Jesus, yeah. goddamn. Like, <laughs> well, there's that like piano and, sound and it's or in something. 3D. Like, yeah. Uh, I wasn't trying to scare her to death, but it's just like, oh, my God, that's delicious. <laughs> yeah, take her to see The Exorcist next. Oh, you know? well, that that would scare anyone to death. But uh... <laughs> yes, it Hey, should. you know, trick or treat, right? Like, let's yes. go see that. Tis the season. I, right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, but I would see the, that one in the theater. Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever, whenever this one comes out. So this is brand new. So there's not even, I don't think, a release date yet. Just For in the, the sequel, next couple yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. So, Well, I, I hope awesome. they borrow off some of the comics because I know that when it was kind of like apparent that it wasn't moving forward, they um, leaned into comic fiction as a way to continue it going forward. Yeah, they did. Um, I haven't read any of that and it's just one big ball of discovery and excitement. So that's awesome. I didn't hear that. Yeah, no, it is awesome. I'm excited. More trick or treat. Yeah. I hope Sam, I hope Sam is the character. I can't imagine that he wouldn't be because that's what you see at comic cons is kids dressed up as Sam the entire time. Oh so yeah. The only thing that it's like, really the only character that, it's like that or Chucky is what kids can dress up as, you know, because it's like appropriate size, you know. Okay. So, yep. You know. Mm -hmm. So. But yeah. Cross those fingers, man. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Brian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to. I got to. It's yeah. It's in the kind. It's law. It's like jury duty. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> You know, what's mildly depressing is that this movie is older than the original was when they remade it. So the original black and white movie was 22 years old in 1990 when they remade this. Well, 89, 90, whenever. But then this came out in 90 because, like, people call it Night 90. And uh, now we're, like, 32 years removed right from when this came out oh man that's kind of my that that's the kind of thing where it's like i just feel like you know like hey you know that movie like night of the living dead <laughs> right. right he's such a goofball in return of the living dead right. but that's a conscious reference i don't know i i love all that but yeah, I don't know. So you had a story about seeing this for the first time. Yeah, I time. think it was. Well, yeah. Well, I, when I saw it for the first time, I, I I think my dad was mildly depressed. You know, for what? Uh, it, it was really funny. Now, like, you have to understand. I think, I think Brian and I, we both look really young, and we can pass for a lot younger than what we are. You know, but like when we were growing up, and Brian can attest to this. Like, if we were wanting to figure out what we were going to watch during like October or on Halloween, we had to have this thing called the TV guide and it was a fucking magazine. Right. Yeah. You remember this. Oh yeah. For, so yeah. for me, they, uh, you get them and you'd kind of like actually circle the date and time that something was going to come on that you were interested in. 
And so I, I, I still know those days of the TV guide, you know, or the TV guide channeling. And you just sat there for five minutes while this fucking prompter rolled through of all the channels, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I had figured out what I wanted to watch. And it was, you know, the standard fare, some Halloween movies. Uh, Night or Nightmare on Elm Street, that sort of stuff. Saturday morning cartoons, Elm Street, right? Playing right. Week Out. <laughs> you know, that's probably why I don't like cartoons. It's probably because I I didn't watch them as a kid. It's probably it. Uh, but that's a side note. Uh, so, anyways, my dad gets so damn excited because he realizes that Night of the Living Dead is like one of these movies that they're gonna show. Right? He's like. He is pumped. He remembers this movie from his childhood, and he was so excited to show me it, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like, hey, you want to watch this? I'm like, sure, right? As as a 9 or 10-year-old, whenever this movie came out, or whenever it was on TV. It might have been later than 1990, but not by much. But, so the movie begins, and he's confused. He doesn't quite understand what's going on because his memory of it is when it was black and white right right but now he's seeing the same movie in color and he's like i'm i don't remember this being in color right yeah so it's just really funny because my dad was confused because of his memory but he was also thinking it was the same movie because it looked familiar he had no idea that it was just remade, right? So it's like, he's thinking he's showing me this classic from 1968 and is like, wait a minute. Why is this thing in color? Yeah. (laughs) And so for me, I didn't know for the longest time that there was a Night of the Living Dead before this version. This is the first Night of the Living Dead that I saw. This is my preferred Night of the Living Dead movie to watch. So is it because it was the first one? Or yeah, and I think and honestly, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I like the characters in this one better. Okay. I, I like their stories better. I think Barbara is better in this movie. I like Ben or Tony Todd is Ben in this one, and then Cooper is such a son of a bitch in this one. He plays that role so perfectly where it's like I fucking hate you, you Watch know. Your yo-yo. Yeah. And him beating his wife because she's trying to do the right thing, you know? It's yeah, yeah like I like this story better than the original. That, yeah, that you know the uh, the characters change but don't for the most part. And I, I think Barbara is really the only one whose character is more transformative over the other, whereas the other characters like cooper and um and ben there's kind of there's shades right but it but it's iterative whereas right. she's like more of the um you know Helpless let, victim let's, to let's develop more of an arc yeah. for that but we'll we'll circle back to that yeah that's fascinating uh yeah i i will Confusion. say i think it's one of the better remakes that would come because this movie was kind of famously remade because of a copyright snafu where the distributor didn't put a copyright notice on the film. So it instantly slipped into public domain. 
Yeah. They spent years running down bootleggers, even though they successfully sued the the distribution company. They were bankrupt by the time that that lawsuit yeah, was they over. Didn't get any money? Nothing. It's wild. Nada. Like yeah. it's it's so it's like heartbreaking because George Romero is known for so much, and it's like the thing that kind of kickstarted this whole zombie craze was made by him. You know, I would find that to be so frustrating to have like something you worked so hard on and that was so dear to you, just not be able to belong to you anymore, you right. know, through no fault of your own, you know, yeah. it's a, uh, it's such a bummer. So, which is kind of one of the reasons that they decided to make this movie mm -hmm. was to get some finances back. There was also, I think there was some sort of legality regarding public domain of the name Night of the Living Dead or of the Living Dead or something like that. And that was, it would be beneficial for them to remake it to quash any unofficial remakes. Yeah. So. Well, and, and that was part of it too. I mean, it wasn't just purely let's pay the investors back and make some money off of it. 20th Century Fox like you know the dun, 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 yeah. like 20th century fox was considering doing their own remake of this and they decided independent production like let's get out there or get out ahead of this and they they did so that that was another reason but yeah it, it didn't land at the time it i think only made like six million dollars out of a 10 million dollar budget which sounds crazy nowadays where like 10 million dollars is a whole company's future i mean that like that's a lot of money to like you and i but to produce a movie and for your whole company to like have their stake on is like what what do you mean 10 million dollars was like a make or break thing right um, so it, it is unfortunate i i do think it had its fans though because as we said in the opening it's got a, a cult following and I, I think for good reason, you know, at the time, I don't know that people were so against, like, I mean, it certainly wasn't like the mid 2000s where like, we've got to remake everything, anything that has any kind of brand recognition, you know, it's like if something got remade, it was, it was almost a little strange, even though Hollywood's been remaking the same movie pretty much for forever. Are you talking about Dances with Wolves? Are you talking well, about that? I. That's not a, that's not even close to what I was going to talk about. <laughs> What's the thing with Dances with Wolves? Oh, it's just it's been remade so many times. But they oh, just yeah, call no. it something else. Yeah, sure, you know, they right. call it they call Avatar. it the last samurai or avatar, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh no, what I was going to say there was that because one of the things I came across was that like Siskel and Ebert really hated this movie. I, I know they're one of our favorite punching bags, uh, but I, I watched the review and I like I really tried to be critical because like Ebert actually was a champion of Dawn of the Dead and he hated this movie. I, I didn't know that not only didn't he like it because I watched the review and objectively, I feel like their only complaint was that they couldn't get the original movie out of their head. So they're like, well, this is pointless. Why are we watching this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, did you know he actually has a, a most hated movies list? Sounds like me. Maybe we could, maybe Ebert and I could get along. 
I I feel like he takes it to an extreme though because yours is like ten movies. Yeah. Uh, his is a hundred and fifty something. And that's just uh, that's too much. And there there were a lot of movies on there too because I was scrolling through the list when I found that out. It's like, oh my god, where is this at? It was a hundred and five. You know, so movies like Battlefield Earth and stuff like that are above it. But then, like, other movies, too, that, you know, I most hated, really, um, like Deep Rising, which we both liked. You know, I mean, I, I feel like you can yeah. watch that movie and be like, well, you know, the effects were kind of dodgy or I didn't like these characters or whatever. But, like, to add that to your, like, hundred plus mo most hated movies of all time, uh, that was kind of mind-blowing to me. One might argue that I'm more critical of Ebert than movies, or more critical of movies than Ebert. Okay. You know? Uh -huh. uh, because there's a spe very specific thing that makes movies get on my, like, no-fly zone list. These are the worst, you know? And it's uh, it's more critical than that. It takes a lot more than deep rising to get on that list <laughs> yeah right Just throwing that out there you know yeah so okay i don't know no i uh the i wanted to bring this up too because uh i wonder when some when groups of people hate on something like it's really easy to spot because of social media but oh, yeah these days the sure. review the reviews that i was reading on about this remake when they came out were pretty savage but it sounds like the internet it sounds like the internet is talking from 1990 like back at us it's like the stuff that they were saying was just like they were comparing it to like other stuff that they hated mm -hmm. at the same time like entertainment weekly said that this is on par as new coke you know uh so for those of you that don't know coke changed its flavor formula in the See, early right. 90s no, no hang on and... that, that's that's a grudge because the new coke came out for exactly one year i think it was like 1985 or 86 so that yeah five like that failed experiment five years right. later they're still complaining about it that's but a... that's that's <laughs> stuff that we do today you know where it's just like this happened so long ago and i'm still mad about it i gotta let you know yeah yeah that's <laughs> so... true yeah yeah the exact quote was that uh, George Romero's decision to produce a color remake of this disturbingly frenzied 1968 zombie fest has to rank up there with New Coke. That's uh, apparently George Romero giving the go ahead to remake his movie is just as bad as Coke making New Coke. Well, so I don't know which one of those statements is more absurd, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, the reason he wasn't more directly involved is because he was working on The Dark Half, the okay. Stephen King movie at the time. So he had developed a rep uh, a relationship with Stephen King through Creepshow and other stuff around the time. And they were buddies, and he was writing and directing The Dark Half with Ed Harris. And he had to go fly back to work on that and um that's that's why he wasn't more involved so he he personally approved tom savini because they were buddies and he's a dead movie veteran from dawn and, and day 
and um, this was his directorial debut. So that's why is he it, wasn't. But that's why Romero involved. wasn't as yeah. involved. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought that he just didn't want to do it either. Like he was just kind of like, I already did it type of thing too. You know, that, that, that could one. be, that could be part of it, but he definitely had the contractual obligation to put him elsewhere at the time. Makes me think maybe uh, it would have been more. If he was involved, do you think there would be any hate to it? Like if he was actually the guy behind the direct in the director's seat, would there be any hate to it? Well, probably. <laughs> I know that um, Savini had a lot of problems being it was his directorial debut that even with his Pittsburgh zombie cred, it, it kind of didn't matter because they were constantly trying to chop it down. So, you know, the, the lesson that he always says he learned is that you never have time to give the audience what you plan, which is absolutely true on any movie that you're working with on any level. You can have time, money, or, or the vision, and for whatever reason, like you can have two of the three, but you can never have all three. And I just, right. I, I know that's been my personal experience, so I, I really sympathize with that. And um, I, I know that like being a first time director, he had no ability to push back against him. And in the commentary, he even says that like, you know, this is about 40% of what I wanted to show people. Yes, there's, I had read that too. Yeah, but... there, there's there are some storyboards in his Grand Illusions books, but the, I mean, it's like a couple pages. So I'm, I'm sure there is there is a book out now that is uh, it's a it documents Tom Savini's actual vision for this. So it's a full on like behind the scenes how this came about, what he actually wanted to show. Okay, I just found out about it uh, today. So forgive me, I don't know. I don't know the exact name. I could go back through and where I found it. Uh, I, I'll post that later, I guess. But um, it is really interesting. However, he says he did get a lot of pushback from the, the studio. Now, that's true. There was a lot of pushback. But some of the ideas that Savini wanted to do, I can understand the pushback on. Like, mm -hmm. he wanted to have zombie vision in this one so like attacks from the zombies point of view you know we know now that that's not a good idea point of view cams are dumb right um we don't need them so but it probably wouldn't have worked then either uh he wanted barbara to hear the ghosts in the cemetery okay that now that sounds like some rob zombies halloween 2 <laughs> bullshit right there I'm just gonna throw that out there like it sounds if, like if there's a white unicorn yeah, <laughs> all exactly. of a sudden the night of living dead right Sounds kind of dumb, you know? And then there was, like, he wanted to the movie to start off black and white and then slowly become colorized by the end of the movie. Yeah. So this, these are, like, the visions that Savini wanted. And I'm just going to say, like, I don't, I don't like to hear about studio interference, but there are occasions when studio interference is probably a good thing, you know? Like mm -hmm. when zombie vision is brought to the table maybe that's a good idea for the studio to come and be like no tom that's not a good idea we shouldn't do that i'm just at you know just playing just playing devil's advocate no shade on tom savini yeah just you know we all we stand for tom savini 
Tom Savini's the best. <laughs> Release He's the Savini the cut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, yeah, there is actually like, I wish they could restore it, but the this good stuff is pretty shitty looking. So. Well, th there is some cut stuff because the MPAA was really hard on that. And I, I think a big part of that re reason was that Day and Dawn got released unrated so they were going to have their pound of flesh on this one, one way or another. Right. Um, that's unfortunate. I, uh, I don't dislike in principle. I mean, maybe if you see it in person, cause, cause what I had heard is that by the, like start off in black and white. And then by the time it gets to night, now it's in color. It, it wasn't like the whole movie. It was like the first 30 minutes. And like one of the, more re i think it's the only recent blu-rays because it's never really gotten like any legit like here's a nice boutique release special edition another one of his things was that he thought the movie was like it spent too much time in daylight before it hit nighttime so he always wished the movie had you know it's called night of the living dead and we spend too much time in daylight before it gets to night. So he wanted night to fall earlier and it, you know, whatever the problems or limitations were, shooting schedule, who knows. But one of the Blu-ray releases tried to correct that and they did this really bad like day for night stuff. So like when Ben drives up to the house, I mean, even when Barbara's running up to the house, it's not daylight. It's like this blue, cheap looking day for night look and it's, I, I don't know if that had his approval or someone was just like, we're going to try and rectify that. It sucked. I hated that. And I'm glad that the digital version I have does not have that. And the original DVD that I have that I did get signed by Tom Savini doesn't have that. My Australian uh, import doesn't have it. It's just a shitty transfer. Oh, you know? okay. And I, I don't mean clarity. Like, it's a decent-looking Blu-ray. But you can see dust on it, like old film, you know, mm. which uh, I have a couple movies that are like that. Carrie's one of them where it's like there's actually parts in that movie where it's like where they got the transfer from, the film was cracked. Mm -hmm. So there's like a couple segments in there that are a couple minutes long of just this, you know, slightly wavy black line coming oh, down wow. through the frame. Really? Yeah. 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 This is more like... Um, particles coming in and out real fast you know so they're not on the screen for too long but the whole cemetery scene is pretty damaged where they got where they transferred it from so oh, okay wow all right yeah umbrella is the company if we want to uh, go after them oh, umbrella wow. did the release the name of the company that put out the bad night of the living dead blu-ray is called umbrella yeah, and also the T-virus and started off the zombie plague in Resident <laughs> Evil. Right. <laughs> Nothing good comes out of Umbrella. So it sounds like we think this is a good remake. and I do. I think it's a, one of those examples that's like, hey, maybe we should give some remakes some slack because this one's good, you know? And being such a beloved property, mm -hmm. I think it's easy for people to be upset because everyone likes the first one, but... I'll tell you what, in my scenario, I think it would have been whatever came first. Whatever version I saw would be the one that I liked the first. as Or the first one is, oh my God, how could I fumble that sentence up even worse, you know? 
Whatever version you saw first is probably going to be the one you like the most. There we go. Jesus. God. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I I do really want to talk about the movie a little bit. I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the history of it. Uh, I I kind of wanted to segue into the whole remake situation, but what what I would piggyback off that statement there is that. I, I feel like, personally, this version hangs better with the Romero Dead trilogy. Like, yeah. like this night hangs better with Dawn and Day of the Dead. Because I always felt like, even seeing those original movies where everybody's in the helicopter and Dawn of the Dead and they're flying over the fields, like, I felt like they were flying over the events of Night of the Living Dead because it was all happening at the same time. So it, the color helps and it brings it up to kind of a visual parody that, you know, the, the original is a classic. I mean, nobody's saying that it's not, that it's not a good movie. It's not an excellent movie because it is, it's a wonderful movie, but in the context of like the Romero dead series, you know, I, and there was a colorized version of the original that Turner classic movies did. You talk about your dad being confused in the beginning there. Yeah. You know, when when Bill Heinzman, the cemetery zombie, comes up, in the original movie, you don't know that he's a zombie because it's in it's in black and white. But in the colorized version, you're like, well, there's something wrong with that guy because he's gray, you know? Okay. And so it, it really doesn't... What they did doesn't really work in color. You know? And th that whole movie, I've got a version of it, it's kind of nasty looking like it was whatever they did to colorize the rest of it. It sucks. It was not <laughs> enjoyable. Um, I, I put these about on equal footing personally, because I think that I, I think you're right. Like you probably would skew towards whichever one you saw first being your preferred version of that movie. But when I view this in the context of like the night, of or the blank of the dead trilogy i i think this is my preferred one even though i put the original and this remake on about equal footing yeah i, I mean it for me it's like what you're talking about like yeah to me it's always makes sense this is a, how i would have watched them but like going from this '90s version to into Dawn of the Dead and then Day of the Dead, simply because of the color, but also simply because I, there was a huge lack of knowledge that I had or did not know, you know. So I would have just assumed that uh, if there was going to be a sequel, it would be the colored version. I didn't even know there were sequels until I met you. That's how crazy that is. I just did not know a massive amount of movie making history for the longest time. So mm -hmm. it was pretty yeah, bad. That's fine. What can you do? If, yeah. But let's talk about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we think this is a good remake and so many others have failed? Because like to go back to Siskel and Ebert, you know, one of the, again, they just couldn't get that original movie out of their head. And one of the things that they kept saying in their review is that, well, this is just kind of pointless. Why aren't we watching this other better movie? And, you know, what do you have to weigh that against? Like maybe the Gus Van Sant Psycho remake a couple years later, which was, which was a shot for shot remake. Yeah. 
I see it's I, really interesting. I feel like this brings more to the table. It does bring more to the table. Like the the weird thing is, is it's funny that you brought up the Psycho remake because that's also the first version of Psycho that I had seen was the remake. You know, so it brings up an interesting question because people will argue that remake, and I'll answer your question, like why is this remake better? Uh, just allow me to go on a tangent. Sure. Uh, people will harp on remakes all the time, right? The original's better. And in so many cases, that is the truth, it's right? Usually, yeah. The, yeah, the, the original is usually the best, but there's also great examples where it's like, like the remake is better. You know, Scarface, the thing. Uh, but I think it has an unintended consequence of doing a remake, and that's a pipeline to find the original. Like, I wouldn't have gone out of my way to see the original Psycho had they not remade it, right? Okay. I wouldn't have gone to, or known that there was an original Night of the Living Dead if there wasn't a remake. And chances are it would have taken me a lot longer to see those movies because I was a kid at the time and color's cool. Black and white is for old people, right? So you're just, you're not going yeah, to. Yeah, that was definitely the perception. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think that we can harp on remakes that are bad, but also understand like it's also kind of passing the torch a little bit. If it sucks, people are still finding the originals through the remake, you know? But. Some, what do I like sometimes, about this movie? Yeah, like the yeah. more intellectual people do. Yeah. And then there's other people who are just like, they saw it and that's their introduction to it, which is right. also fine too. Right. Right. But what do I like about this remake? I already said I like the characters and I like the story better. Um, I think that uh, the main difference for me seems to be like the ending, right? Where you... I feel in the remake, it's not the shock event. You're kind of like, yeah, there's no way they're all going to get out of this, you know? And then mm -hmm. you see Ben resurrected. You get Cooper's comeuppance, the, you know? The, the ending is the same, but it's actually pretty different the way that it plays out. Right, right. So I think also the remake is a little bit more palatable. If that like it, it's a little easier to take the the worst side of it you know the the nastiness of of night of living dead is within both of them when it comes down to its comments on society you know they're both pills you don't want to swallow you know but uh i think tom savini's is a little bit more nuanced and kind of drives those points home better you know the um the conflict of people, you know, what they're going through, that sort of thing. Um, but Romero seems a little bit more on the nose with what it wanted to say. So, well, I, I wonder if that's just because it was the first, right. And, and it hadn't had so much time for reflection, whereas, yeah. you know, 10 years went past and then Dawn is considered this masterpiece of commentary as well as just being a fun, horror adventure thriller i mean it, it's kind of everything yeah. um you know i i wonder if that's mainly a question of perspective because you know originally romero wanted barbara to survive and 
you know, they kind of changed that as they went. And, you know, I, I believe that, that Dwayne Jones, that who originally played Ben, the character of him, like the, the idea of his character being killed by the militia was, I, I believe that was his idea. And they kind of workshopped that because it was this real gut punch because Ben wasn't written to be a black man. So like you already broke the mold where you have a leading man as a person of color. And then, you know, he thought that audiences wouldn't accept that of him just being saved and, and whatnot, you know, and it became this kind of transformative piece of, uh, you know, commentary uh, about, you know, race relations and even just, you know, our, our marginalization of people in general about who's the real zombies here, you know, like the zombies or the crowd that's just kind of coming through doing the mob justice. You know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like is kind of a happy accident that in the original was, um, you know, the sort of thing that really elevated it over what the original intention was. Whereas with this one, they did have their time to do it and they kind of did it in a more, like you said, a more nuanced way because the ending is still the same. Ben still gets shot, but he kind of descends into madness because it's his whole fight with Cooper. You know, Cooper's right. the one who really gets shot by the militia, but then Ben's the zombie. Um, I, I feel like that the idea of him being gunned down was almost too monstrous given that he's, he's the real good guy in the situation and that audiences just wouldn't have accepted that similar to the way that they transformed Barbara's character, because she's the other one that really has like, she really lands in a different place compared to the original because Judith O'Day's character of Barbara, it just kind of becomes catatonic and right. People hated that. Um, I didn't mind it in, in a realism sense because people look, people fall apart in a crisis. They go into well, shock they do. and, and I, but I feel like that there's this thing with adventure movies and especially with zombie fiction where there's this kind of like wish fulfillment fantasy element that like you project upon the characters more so than other genres so that audiences absolutely would not have accepted Barb a Barbara in the nineties to, to be catatonic in shock. She had, we in the time since that movie came out, you had Sigourney Weaver. Oh, uh, Sarah Connor, Sarah uh, Connor. Yep. And you're, you're just not going to accept that as a Friday night audience. You're not going to accept that as an any day audience well, that that right. character and falls down. This, it, this right here, what we're talking about is the difference in why I like one over the other. This is like, I don't like catatonic Barbara. And I think like, when I see that, I'm like, wow, what a, what a waste of a character that's so annoying. Like that character is just going to be a hindrance to them for the rest of the movie. Right. Cause it's like, they're all fighting for their lives and they're like, snap out of it, Barbara or whatever. And she's steering straight ahead while sitting on a couch. Whereas like, what I thought was cool in the remake was that you see this helpless victim to I'm going to stand up against it to like leadership qualities, you know, mm -hmm. by the end of it. 
So you get to see this over the course of one night, this radical change in a character. And it feels like it's months of change, but yeah, it's, it's just like six hours worth of shit happens, you know? Yeah. So and well, you get to see that transformation. Yeah. You know? And, and to go back to similar changes, I, I think they would have undermined that with like her hearing the zombies or the ghosts in the cemetery, even the scene where, the the thin zombie comes in the window and she's shooting him yeah like is he dead like that's an amazing scene that's a great scene the original idea is that this zombie would come in the window and she sees her mother but that goes back to what you're saying about her kind of like hearing the whispers of the zombies and it's like where's johnny barbara and then she, right. someone shoots him or whatever happens you know that just makes her seem crazy like she's breaking down not like she's dealing with yeah. it in this way that she's overcoming the situation. And, um, you know, I mean, well, she... when you make a character crazy as well, you know, the audience isn't going to trust that. Like, we're rooting for Barbara the whole way through. Like, we're kind of seeing this movie through Barbara's point of view. So if you see her, like, we're relating to her and they're like, oh, and she's hearing things like it kind of puts the viewer in a weird spot right because yeah. now you're you're watching the character you should be invested in from a distance and i think that would be a negative in this right. situation you know well yeah and then they, they become kind of an unreliable narrator because you know that they're kind of unhinged yeah so so yeah you could get to the end of a remake and be like did any of it happen you know yeah right crazy to begin with be Maybe like friday the 13th the part two like oh muffin you're back we love you <laughs> yeah they're dead they're all messed up hey but that muffin survived <laughs> like damn it <laughs> i was gonna ask this is gonna put you on the spot you reference so many things and half half the time i don't know what they are it takes me a minute to to you know <laughs> okay know what they're from uh-huh i wonder if like the audience is just totally a million times faster than me you know they're like i get it i bet you they are i bet you they are you know, like, i don't know drop a comment below Pro probably not that doesn't I don't understand know. this one either we're, does he? we're just all confused <laughs> but we can jump back in the video for five seconds and yeah be fine with that yeah <laughs> Oh boy. That's okay. We've only got about like eight more minutes to go and then we got a whole episode. We we can just do a fade in there. Okay. I feel Put like I've, I've got, Put it I've in got a, a lot reel. more to, to go over here, but you know, it's it's what totally fine. Oh, just on and on and on. Oh, um, hit me with it. Let's let's get it all out. What do you got? Oh just just in dumb rapid shit. succession. Just dumb shit like Iron City beer. The shirt that Tommy was wearing, like that—that's—that's yeah. that's actually the same beer that the militia was drinking in Dawn of the Dead, you know. Oh, nice. No, I thought that there were like Easter eggs in that in this movie that relate to the other ones. Like, wasn't the helicopter flying supposed to reference a helicopter in one of the other ones? I I would presume uh, Dawn of the Dead, although I think there was a helicopter that flew over a Night of the Living Dead, and I. I know that most of the people involved with Knight were brought back or or asked back in some capacity just out of respect. Um, Bill Heinzman, the cemetery zombie, he's one of the few that didn't come back anywhere. 
because like the original Johnny is like oh they're dead they're all messed up like that's mm-hmm. that's that's the original Johnny for the longest time I thought that was um oh what's his name um Russo the, the I other it was too the other producer yeah. but no that's the original Johnny okay um, but Bill Heinzman the guy that played the cemetery zombie he wasn't asked back because they had kind of a falling out oh really and it was like right around this time too where because he made a movie called flesh eater which like okay. he, he basically plays the cemetery zombie but like just on a fucking rampage and okay and it, it was it came out in like 1988 <laughs> it's I don't know. It's entertaining. It's trash. It's not a good movie, but it's like it's one of those things where like you can watch it and a kind of like, oh, maybe this is what happened to the cemetery zombie after, you know, like this movie went on and followed him as this like main zombie or something. But um, it, it's entertaining. It's not a good movie. But, you know, if you're kind of like a knight or of blank of the dead completist, you should definitely check it out. I think it's on Tubi right now. It's um. It's trashy. Like, they aimed low, but it's it's fun trash. But in the time since, I, I, I know that they've made up. So, you know, they're, they're on good terms. Because he came back to film, like, the, I don't know, 30th anniversary scenes reprising the cemetery. On that awful DVD that none of the extra footage matched, like, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The less said about that, the better. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there were a lot of cool touches in this. I like the misdirection, how it plays upon, like, you think this is going to happen because you've seen the original movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, like with the old man, I mean, because we're talking about the cemetery zombie, like, you know, you think he's going to be the first zombie and he just turns out to be this guy that's hurt. You know, and right. then, it's, then yeah. boom, there comes the real zombie, like the autopsy zombie. no. Um, the guy with the, the flower, like the, what, yeah, what they the, call the, that, the well, thing the, like stabbed in his chest. Yeah. Someone I, yeah, tried it, to it fight him like over there and it didn't work. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's, I, uh, that's one of the big reasons that I like this, this one over the other one is, uh, the makeup I love in this one, you know, it's so gross. Like they, there, there's scenes where there, it's so much more gory, and I almost don't think you need it because just looking at these, this version of a zombie is disgusting enough. Like, I mean, there's that one guy that like slams his face on the window, right, and then yes. it's just like smeared goo <laughs> and stuff that goes onto the window, and it's like, yeah, that's that's skin. Hmm decayed skin that's yeah. gross you know so that's what i like it's got that uh that creepiness vibe you know and i also feel like this was the uh they're like hey what should when walking dead came out they're like what should we make our zombies look like yeah just make it look like night of the living dead 90 you know that's what i feel like all the zombies are now you okay. know which i don't know i feel like it was its predecessor yeah to zombies to look more realistic you know yeah you know and and savini i mean he approved john vulich and his company optic nerve who did the special effects for this 
So even though Savini directed it, he wasn't really directly involved in the special effects. Like he, he passed that off to somebody who he knew and worked with and trusted John Volich. He met, I believe on Friday the 13th part four and then brought him on to day of the dead. Okay. So once again, the pedigree is still there. He really knows what he's doing. They were doing some cutting edge stuff at the time too. And like, this is 1990 and they're using computers to like, design zombies <laughs> right With whatever primitive software they had back then i mean nowadays you could just like you know hit the randomize button on your fallout character generator and <laughs> come out with right. something serviceable I, I don't even know i'd love to see what the behind the scenes on that were but uh yeah no i i, I do think they did a great job i know that those guys took some like you know, they do some nasty things in service of that job in special effects and realism and, you know, trying to balance the point where it's it's real, but it's not so gross. You can't find entertainment in it. I mean, like they looked at mortuary photos and things like that, and like what actually yeah, they... looks like. And, yeah, you know, all these like really nasty choices that would make it difficult for us to eat lunch. And they just took that upon themselves and, you know, used that to develop and evolve these zombie concepts. I don't, I don't feel like the gore though is like overdone in this. And no. that's, that's a complaint that I've seen some people have where they're like, well, this is Tom Sabini. It should be it's the king of splatter. It should just be fucking blood everywhere, you know? Right. And, uh, from what I've heard, they chose not to do that because they, they felt that it was, you know, contemporary, but they, they dialed it back so it was more respectful to the tone of the original film. I mean, that makes sense because they that there are some sequences where it's like, well, Jesus, that was intense, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's it's only in a couple sequences that got edited down a little bit. I don't think that there was more splatter. I don't think that the movie was designed that way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of glad it's not this because with the, I think with the effects, the way they are now, and you were to add like that goriness of splattering things everywhere. I think this would have just been in movie jail for the rest of its life. Like it's, they're like, Nope, it's just not coming out. You know? <laughs> right, so yeah. I think it was the right call in the end. Um, and on top of that, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't need it. For this movie right i don't i don't feel this movie's missing anything the way that it is uh which is fine this is i think as best as you could get for a remake like this you know uh i have a lot of high praise for this movie is what i'm saying mm -hmm. uh i what we said before it got a bad a complete bad rap and there was a lot of venom towards this movie and i think a lot of it was undeserved i don't think people were seeing this movie for what it was they were just mad that it was a remake of a classic you know yeah yeah i agree and um you know that's unfortunate i i don't i don't necessarily think it's better i just think it's different you know it's it's certainly more intense and i i kind of feel like the 90s were probably the last time that this probably could have been remade in the same spirit as the original.
because I mean, you go much farther past that in history and we've just got way too much technology with the phones yeah. and, and this communication of that or whatever, uh, traffic cameras, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't care that you're in rural nowhere. Like you would have to address that. And the sense of isolation wouldn't be nearly the same. What I like personally about Night of, both versions of Night of Living Dead, and, you know, they were the first people to do it, so they beat everyone else to the punchline, it's not about crazy action. You know, I mean, you've, you've got right. the horror of the situation, and that's kind of all the gore that you need. It's really just kind of like panicky people panicking in a crazy, supernatural, unprecedented situation. You know, I... I like that people aren't instantly experts at shooting guns and, you know, just like The Walking Dead, we introduce a new character and they're just instantly Clint Eastwood, like, firing off headshots left, right, and center, you know, I mean... Yeah, but you also hate to see the person that can't do shit. Like, I feel like that's why these movies or these shows kind of suck, in my opinion. That's that's because that... you can only get one-dimensional characters. Yeah. Oh, he's the guy that's good at the thing. And everyone or loves them. the guy that's good at nothing, they, but... And everyone hates them. Yeah. You know? So it's like... You can only make one character in all of the Walking Dead stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, I feel like that's the thing that, um, you know, this movie does that those, those other ones just never could rise to that level again. You know, I, I think the, the ultimate example of, like, it breaking down like both of what we're talking about, like the character who's capable and the character who's not capable. Yeah. Both of them break the fiction of like, well, if I was in the situation, I would do blank, right? Right. It, it's the Tommy character because he's both capable, but he's also inept, right? And and I think that's the thing that really holds both versions back because even though the fuel pump sequence is so much better executed in this one, you're still like, don't fucking shoot that gas tank. Like, don't, I know. don't do It's so much better executed, and you're still just like, well, that just broke the movie for me. <laughs> well, because it's who doesn't know that anything that smells like that is isn't flammable, you know? It doesn't even have to be gasoline, but I mean, you're, I mean, well, listen, in the original, right? am he's I right? Like spilling people? it all over the truck as he's trying to like put it in there. <laughs> Well, what I'm saying is this country bumpkin doesn't know that gasoline isn't flammable, you know? Yeah, it's, it's his like, farm. It's Uncle Reed. He works there. I know. He should know this. This guy doesn't understand what a combustible engine is, you know? Because, like, he does. He clearly doesn't know why you put gasoline in a car other than gasoline should go in the car. Right. And that gasoline makes you go vroom, vroom, speed fast that way, you know? So he's an idiot. I hate this character. I hate him in both versions because it's like, how do you not know? And how does your girl not know? She's actually the one driving the car. So she actually knows to hit the gas and you go forward. Yeah. Now I'm sounding like I'm a hater on this movie, but I well, just, I hate it's, this it's character. This it's this part. Yeah. yeah. Ben's great. This was Tony Todd's first horror movie. He he was amazing. I mean, like real tears at different points. Yeah. Um, yeah. His emotions are like really pal palpable. Um, I love that. You know, some people harp on the him yelling at Cooper and everything. It's I don't know. It works like the 
it it's that but it's more intense it's the original movie right. but it's it's more intense and um i i like them both for different reasons yeah. i i think the original is a classic you're never going to meet that the criterion version looks amazing i never thought that movie would look as good as it does they did a fantastic job cleaning that up so if you've never seen it don't just go to Amazon Prime and look up Night of the Living Dead. Like, track down the Criterion version of Night of the Living Dead, the black and white George Romero one. Chef's Kiss. It is amazing looking for a movie, especially of that period produced under the circumstances that they had. Yes. This one, it's... Um, I, I'd watch them both about equally. I mean, we've said it, you know, it just kind of depends on the day you catch you. You like them both for different reasons. I like that one because of, you know, it's a classic for great reasons. And this one I feel like hangs better with the trilogy. So if I'm going to watch the trilogy, I think I'm going to lean into this one. But if I just want to see Night, I, I'm, I'm probably just going to watch the black and white one. See, I, I would go uh, nine times out of the 10, the 1990 version. Okay. And it's kind of it's, it is like that for me because I have uh, a, a version of Night of the Living Dead. It's not the Criterion version, but I've watched it like twice. I've owned it for three or four years. So, but I tend to watch um, this remake like once a year at least. So bad, bad transfer and all. It's still uh, the same version. It, it's a good movie to watch during the fall. Oh, yeah. Spend a couple bucks, buy the digital one on Voodoo. It's probably better than whatever version you have. Well, I got, if it's I got cleaned it for up at all in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, man. I got it for five bucks last year, um, like the digital version, because I can't get rid of my DVD because Savini autographed that. But Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I, Did you know we both met Tom Savini? More of that story before we get down that rabbit hole, because yeah. we got to wrap this up here, but... It, it's five bucks if it comes up on sale. It's worth it because, like, when I was watching that, I was like, wow, this looks really good. This looks so better, so much better than my crummy DVD that Paramount put out or whoever distributed it. That's good to know. I spent $20 on mine. And Sorry. It looks okay. Looks okay. Thank, eh. Thanks, Umbrella. Did I mention them before? I don't know. It, it's just, it looks okay. That's all. Just All right. You know, but I'm just saying, if you're going to put a movie out and it's the only thing you put on a disc, maybe a little bit more effort. Yeah. Just maybe get some Windex and spray down that film before you fucking scan Oh, don't do that. Yeah. No, bad advice. No, don't fo <laughs> don't listen to That's that. That's how man. you do it, right? No. Yes. And you spray it, and then I heard you put it in the, the washing machine. The dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. It gets all, all right. it gets it shiny. That's what that's what 4K is, isn't it? It's the film post. That's that's what I hear. That's dishwasher. what the Google says. <laughs> I bet you that's like half the budget of this movie is just from Cheetos. You well, know, you know, you got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house to pay. I right. don't think that actually costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I feel like that's an exaggeration. I did see the model that the miniature of the house that they use for the finale by itself cost $25,000, but we're not quite there yet. I